Welcome to episode 562 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Alright, team, welcome along to episode 562 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I am pretty good, Bevan, and you? You're looking at yonder, John. People are polluting our city. Yeah, uh, all those people driving their cars around. Oh, and factories. God. Oh, what's, that, what's that movie with Al Gore? Um, Inconvenient Truth, John. Yes. Well, part two's coming out. Great. And he's probably going to point at our city right now and say, this is the problem. There you go. <laughs> I talk is proudly brought to you by... Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. lactic buffer. And our patrons. And Peter Mills, the bionic man, is one of them. Stuart, the compass, more. Glenn Slammon, Newbolt. Yeah, we're loving the NBA playoffs at the moment. We, we've got one Kiwi in there. They lost, but... They got Kane in the first one. Yeah. Stephen Adams of the... Uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah. And I tell you what, we everyone in New Zealand knows it's there's one Kiwi in the NBA. It's huge <laughs> coverage over here. Oh, yeah, for it, yeah. Robert Spine Tingler Green. And then we've got Damien the Thunder the, the hundred dollar bill. Hundred dollar bill. Oh, you got Hunter. My, my the hundred dollar bill. Bennett. So he's the hundred dollar bill man. This week's show, guys, we've got some news, we've got statistics, we've got website of the week. We haven't had one of those in a while. Mm-hmm. Coach's Corner. There's two parts. There's part one, part two. Yeah. Workout of the week even. Yes, new section. New section I saw in the show. Yeah. New section. Workout of the week. John's going to take you through his workout of the week. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you about my run this morning. Great. Yeah, I'm running. We'll talk about it later on. And then um, questions and answers. And Not much news, John, but it's good to see we're back into some racing in North America. We've got the North American Championships happening this weekend. Ironman, Texas. Not the strongest field. No, but this is... It's quite a cool feel because you, there's lots of guys there that are quite hit and miss. Yeah, not, but not there's no rock stars, is there? No rock stars. For, yeah. for a championship race, I'm surprised. Mm. One thing that Torsten's done, his uh, website, tryrating.com, that I'm not sure if he's done in the past, but he's put the strength of the field. Um, cool. Um, so he says the strength of the field is 31% of a typical kind of field. So there you go. And on the girls' side of things. So 31%. Is twenty percent of a typical. Where, where is this bit? I can't even see this. Well, look a bit harder. Uh-huh. It says under male race participants. Oh. so yeah. So I guess that means yeah, it's <laughs> means what it is. It's thirty-one percent of the typical kind of field. But so I'd I love think, to know then. Okay, so Dawson, flick us an email. What I want to know is of the other championship races, like like does this field compare to what kind of other, you know? Obviously, Kona's hundred percent. Mm. Like a Germany would say maybe seventy percent. Mm-hmm. So 31% is quite low. Mm. But I think it should be an intriguing race. It's quite a you know, de- good, decent-sized field. You've got about 40-odd guys in there, and there's lots of guys that have got different strengths and weaknesses, have won lots of races. You know, there's some good athletes here. Oh, so Jordan Matt, Matt Hansen is in there. He's won this, he won this. I'm sure he's won this race before. He won it two um, years ago, I think. Speedy runner, um, predicted time, run time 2.45. Ivan Tuk. Wait a second, is that someone's name? What? Speedy runner. No, no. Oh, what did you say there? <laughs> I said, well, he is a speedy oh, runner. Oh, okay. I was like, speedy runner? Because um, the appearance new. Yeah, Ivan Tukin, he's only got one Ironman race under his belt, but he's actually ranked second eight 
15. Will Clark, the POM, um, former ITU dude, Bastida and top athlete Jordan Rapp has won plenty of races. Ronnie Schilnick is the king of uh, the king of Switzerland. He wins that race almost as many times as Cameron Brown has won Ironman New Zealand. Joe Skipper, you know, if he's on top form, he could rip this to shreds. Matt Russell's going for a sub eight. Um, Tyler Butterfield's been, you know, fifth or there or thereabouts in Kona. Uh, Callum Millwood, he's uh, had a, a strange injury lately or illness lately, but he's on his way back. Paul Matthews has been on the podium at championship races. Andrew Starkowitz haven't heard from him for ages. So lots of really good guys. Yeah, and even Harry Wilshire, Chris McDonald, Joseph Major. So lots of names we we're familiar with, isn't it? But but no top three sort of kind of dudes. Yeah, it's very much kind of five up, isn't it? Hmm. Yeah, but all of them on their day could get to top three. Yeah. Exactly. You know. So I think it should be a really intriguing race, especially because you've got some, some good runners in there. You've got guys that are consistent all the way through, like Jordan Rapp. Um, Matt Russell has had some really strong races coming through with a very strong um, run as well. So I think it should be a cool race. And equally on the girls' side of things, as I said, only 20% of the uh, typical Kona strength field. But Jocelyn McCauley is, I would, you know, based off her Ironman New Zealand result, is a serious big hitter now. Uh, and yes, I'm going to be intrigued if she can back this up again because she did have a, a late, fairly late season race in Mallorca, turned around and raced Ironman New Zealand very, very well, very, very well. And, uh, and now she's backing up here again. So. Um, I'm pretty sure when he spoke to her, I think she 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 does need more points. I think she's got she would have got four thousand because she got two thousand in, in New Zealand, two thousand in Mallorca. Not she sure if she had that many. Then would she? she no, top ten would do it, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she she needs just to top it up to sort of a, I think about four and a half thousand. So she just needs a result yep. from either a, an Ironman or or a, or a seventy point three. So she's seeded number one. Um, Kelly Williamson and look, I'm got to be honest, I'm not very familiar with many of the other females. No, so the, the female fields there's lots of them, twenty five, but it's not mm. as deep as the males field, is it? Mm. Yes. Or so. maybe it's just our knowledge isn't as deep. Yep. But you know, wouldn't know twenty of the top females in the world. It'd be interesting to see if Lauren Brandon is. First overall out of the swim, I presume they've probably got a split start, so she probably won't be. But um, she's she as fa- she's as fast as any of the pretty much any of the guys. She'll be either just on the tail end of the the, the lead pack, if not at the front of it. Um, if males and females start together, which I doubt they do. I've got to say, um, they last year they had all sorts of uh, schmozzle problems in Ironman Texas with uh, the the course, you know, having to change the course. The course was the bike course was short. You had about five right. million um, U turns, and it was last I think it was last year as well when they had the the rain and the run got called off halfway through and then got put back on. Uh, so it looks like that's right. That was a right disaster, wasn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, looks like they've got gone from, from to the complete other extreme on the bike course this year. It really looks like it's um, just a, a drag out the hardy toll road, and uh, so long, long out and back, um, pretty flat, uh, and only 1,200 feet of elevation gain through the entire bike ride. So it looks like it's just going to be a long, flat drag strip race. So. Good luck to everybody racing out there. Uh, weather forecasts at this stage. We don't look at long-range forecasters, but we actually do. Never trust long-range. <laughs> Never trust them. Not actually looking too hot. 26, 26 degrees and uh, maybe a little bit of rain. Okay. Well, that's it's going to be an interesting race. It should be great. Mm, I know. Being a championship race, hopefully they've got good coverage. So if you want to watch it, you can check it out. Yeah, well, as I said with the, earlier, with the 
South African Championship race. They had live TV coverage of, of that on, mm. on ironmanlive.com. So hopefully they do the same again. They had the traditional commentators in there doing a good job of the tiny part that I did see. So fingers crossed they do the same. I think they are on the right path in terms of the timing of this race. You know, whilst we haven't got any of the big hitters there, I think the timing's good. You know, you're avoiding those mid-season races for guys that need to sort of tick the box in terms of getting to Kona. You know, they can top up their Kona points here really nicely there's good money 150,000 prize money so I think Ironman are doing the right moves in order to try to get the, the right feel but just this year you know people have chosen to do other things and I think one of the luxuries you get by being a top 10 Kona athlete is you got so many points you don't need to go to a championship race you certainly the options there the money's better the the, the field's typically going to be stronger but if you want to go and do Ironman Lanzarote and just get a few points then you can do it. But what, what would you do? Like, let's say you, you, you're you a pro and uh, you did really good in Kona last year. Let's say you got top five. Mm. Um, would you do a championship race? Like, do you think it's better for your athletic career to have a hard race throughout the year? Or do you think you're better off just to conserve and wait all for Kona? I think that I would probably go for a, a relatively early season race and I'd be going to wherever I could maximise my income. So whether that means racing at Ironman New Zealand and going, well, I'll get lots more sponsorship coverage there um, so I can make more money there, or I'll go to a championship race and get more revenue through um, through extra um, prize money. That would be sort of the, the main decision for me. But I, you know. but I suppose but the difference is you're doing it from, that's quite a conservative approach, isn't it? Mm. Whereas the top five Kona guy thinks they're going to win everything, don't they? You know, that, well, maybe they don't, but they're mm. probably pretty confident in their ability. And even if, if they look at this race and they go, oh, bugger, I should be at this race because I think I can win it. Mm. You know, you get what I mean? Mm. Um, but I'd, I'd be always treating the early season race as a B race, as a builder, test things out, and then all, all, everything into Kona. Mm-mm. Mm, okay, um, one of the big th- one of the big stories in the endurance world right now is Nike's attempt to get an athlete to run a sub two hour marathon. If you haven't read much about this, it's, it's pretty. Is this big news or not? Because I just happened to stumble across oh, it on, keep an on, eye on Facebook. It. Yeah, oh, it's been around for a while now. Yeah, yeah. No. Well, at least I've known of it. I'm not quite mm. sure how big it is, but basically, what happened was late last year, Nike said, and I think Adidas are almost trying to. You know, those are the two big shoe companies. And Nike don't have the fastest guys in the world right now. So I think the two fastest are actually Adidas runners. So they basically had to choose. So the current world record holder, he's he's actually an Adidas runner. So mm-hmm. that's why they can't have him. But they've said this year we want to try get one, 59, 59 or faster, which is a pace of 434 mile for 26 miles, which is pretty bloody phenomenal. And they've gathered together three athletes. And they've been working about it for the last six months. And so... I remember watching an article about the shoes. They've invented these shoes that have like an elastic recoil in the shoe. Yeah. yeah. But they've got it. The shoes are almost a little bit dangerous. So they've got to be really adapted to the runner. So it's not like um, there'll be ones that we are on the market or there'll be a, an a, a adjusted version. But basically, they have to make the shoes perfect for the runner. It's almost got mm. a little bit of a spring in it. So it's a bit like your kind of tendons underneath your feet with a bit more, yeah. you know, kind of doing a bit more work for you. So they've, they've been putting a lot of effort into it and they've got three athletes. Now, John, you say their names. <laughs> no, I'm not even do you want me to do the team. apple? Do you want me to do the apple? Just just take a stab at it, Bevan. Okay, here we go. Alub Kipchode. And then we've got... Um, Lalisa Dessia. And then we've got, here we go, last one, because I'm, we're both hopeless at names. 
Jishanaya Taddies. <laughs> Great work. Well, the apple, that's the apple. Um, and so basically what they've been doing is they've basically put all the science in. And originally Runner's World had a really good article on it. And they sent one of the guys who's Runner's World, um, Alex Hutchinson. He's been writing about this for the whole time. And he was just basically saying, my take, and this is what he did this big post on it when they first announced it. And he said, I'll be honest, when I first heard about this project and timeline, I laughed. And having a peek inside the scenes, the goal seems still wildly and audacious. Still, I left Oregon feeling it's possible. I don't think I'd go so far to say, it, say it's probable. In the marathon, after all being smart, betting advice would be always to take over simply because the event is too arduous and unpredictable. Nike will be doing its best to control every variable that is controllable. But the race is still 26 miles, 0.2. Uh, that said, if all goes well, over the next five or so months, I expect you'll see the first serious attempt at a sub two hours. If it succeeds, I won't totally be shocked. So he's kind of, he went into it thinking it's a, it's a total joke. Once he got a look behind the scenes, he's like, hmm, still don't think it's possible possible but maybe so what they're trying to do is go sub two hours for a marathon what and they're going to do they're going to do this in early may in monza which is a racetrack in italy they're going to wait they've got a three-day window where they're going to wait for the ideal conditions in terms of humidity wind cloud cover etc to get everything like line up so that you know the climatic conditions are as optimal as possible and am i right bevan i think they're going to have a car basically pacing them or not well, it's interesting because in the article that you have here, I don't think they'll have a car. I don't know, can they have a car pacing? Because well, I think they'll have a. It looks like they've got a lead car with a, a time. The drafting front. factor. There's probably rules around that. Has how how far in front? Because you have a lead car and yeah. a lot of events. But you look at that timing. That's a wind. That's a wind block. Oh, where they're training at the moment. Sorry, we cut out for a second there. A card got full, John, but we're back. So, basically, if you look at the so last weekend they did a half marathon, and that was the article that you sent through actually. Mm. And the article you sent through, they did a half marathon, and let's look at the times they did. And the car was in front of them. Yeah, and it is only maybe five meters in front, so that's going to be getting you a big draft, and it's got a big um, screen on top of the vehicle, which I imagine is telling them their pace. So, uh, my yeah, my, my thoughts might be that they'll have a car sitting in front of them and basically telling them what pace they're on. Yeah, so but I, I'm sure there must be rules around how close that lead vehicle can be because that would be at that speed a pretty significant draft. And, and I think the thing was is that they kind of said that um, this isn't going to be like a, an official marathon time. If you know what I mean, like the, the, it's going to be a marketing tool. Well, it is a marketing tool. It's great. yeah, it's PR, but it's it's not like it's not going to go down as a world record. Yeah, I think I think there's a little bit like that because right. I, now I could be wrong. I, I just seem to remember reading that. So, Swanee, you'll know Richard Swan. Send us an email. Tell us about, a little bit about these athletes. We've got a few weeks before this happens. And so last weekend they did a fifty-nine half, um, one did a sixty, and then another did a sixty-two. Yeah. So that's what they're doing the half at right now. Double that up. I just think it's fascinating um, that they're going for it, and it'll be interesting to see how it goes because you know they won't. I imagine they won't have much of a crowd. It really will be an individual time trial. There's only three of them typically in a marathon. You know, you're going to have a bunch of I don't know, five to maybe up to ten or so at least for a good chunk of the marathon, so that the low the pacemaking load is is spread. So I think it's an interesting project. I really don't know enough about marathon running to to say whether they're absolutely crazy or not but uh, I think you know the sub two hour is on the horizon it so is streamed live it's going to be streamed live I'll, I'll be putting mm. it on or if, if it's at a time of day that works for me I'll definitely want to see if they can make it work it's yeah it's it's 
you know, I suppose what would be the trajectory if we would have just looked at how marathon times have moved down? I've got no idea. Their don't, argument don't really is, one of the articles, well, the argument was that Paula Radcliffe, I think she took like a 2.5% off the time when she broke the world record. Mm. She took a massive chunk. And so the argument is, that, well, it's possible because look what Paula did. Um, but is one of these three athletes a Paula Radcliffe or yeah. a Jan Fredino or something like that? Yeah. So I know Bevan mentioned before um, the, the pace in miles when you're running a sub two hour in kilometres, it's 251 per kilometre. So, 251. Yeah. See, I don't know miles. So when you say it like that, wow. I could keep up for 500 meters. Well, that's what that guy in the article did. He did they last week before they mm. did half marathon. They had to kind of, you can follow the car for a half a car or something. Uh, how long you reckon you keep up for? 500 meters. I, I couldn't do it. 251, one kilometer. I don't think. If I trained specifically for a year, I'd probably get there, or, or maybe even six months. But 251, I've never, I've never run a kilometre that fast before. Well, about a month ago, I was running downhill. Got the right. 230s. Yeah. <laughs> Going down Dice Pass Road. But yeah, yeah, sprinting. Yeah, I got the 230s. Yeah. yeah. Pretty good gradient for me. But uh, so they're saying basically the things I'm trying to control is athlete selections. I've chosen three athletes, all sub 205 or sub 60 or and sub 60 half marathoners. They all were peak leading to this. One of them was the Olympic marathon winner. So, that, you know, mm-hmm. obviously pretty peak leading into this moment. Uh, the course and environment, they've chosen a course that they think makes a big difference to the race, the temperature, the hills, drafting, and so on. Um, obviously, the day they're going to try to choose to get that right, they've chosen a three-day period where they think there's best chance of good weather. Training, nutrition, they're basically just doing all the best scientific stuff that they can do to achieve it. And obviously equipment, like I talked about before, they've even designed shoes which they think can have a better elastic recoil for this. you got to think also about the mental state. You know, that's such a big part of peak performance is going, I'm going to go and win the London Marathon. I wonder what the bonuses are. Yeah, that bonuses is, I'm sure that helps a bit. But it's not the same as a, as if. Well, yeah, but what's so? What is the motivation to be the first guy? I suppose it's the Bannister factor, isn't it? But it's not if it's not going to go down in the history books. I but mean, it, will it? I don't know. Because Bannister was he was still driven by other runners. They still had the lead pack. You know, like it was set up to try beat the beat the mm. four minute mile, wasn't it? Mm. But uh, yeah, I'm just interested to see where it goes. And then the other funny thing is, does it happen? What happened with Bannister? Because mm. with Bannister, they had tried for years to beat the four minute mile. And then he broke it, and within a year, like 100 guys have beaten it. Maybe not 100, mm. but you know, quite a few guys have beaten it. Will we see that if they crack it, then suddenly two minutes is the standard? Two hours. Human, oh yeah, two minutes would be <laughs> <laughs> really. That's 2.41 seconds per yeah. day. <laughs> now that is smoking. Okay, so we'll keep an eye on that over the next few weeks. Uh, okay, that's pretty much the news. No news this week. Last week's discussion, John, we kind of want to hear the inspiration in triathlon for you in the sport. And this came about because we had that item of news last week that was old news, but um, the guy, John Young, I think it is, who was the dwarf who managed to finish Ironman Marylands and uh, we're actually going to be looking to hopefully line up an interview with him in the coming weeks uh, yep. I think he did Boston Marathon this morning he yeah. was, was going to be there he'll drive on his time what a second so. and so that sort of thought I thought what were the things that inspired you in, in either doing a race or, or have just been the most inspirational people for you James the wise one Botel said Tara Norton has inspired her because Tara was over him? in Kona she got knocked off her bike in one race, and Tara is a gutsy individual. She got knocked off. I, th- I think she was unconscious. I think she might have 
dislocated her shoulder, but she was, and she tries to get back up. And, you know, it's a bit like the Natasha Badman happened, something similar happened to her as well. And uh, she just got on and she's apparently inspired a huge number of people. We've had her on Epic Camp and that girl has had her fair share of incidents. So for James, it's Tara Norton. And Tara actually went back to James. Well, thanks. Oh, very oh, nice. nice. Okay. Tanyan. Here we go, John. Tanyan Narawatski. Yeah. Yeah. We're going with that. Taran. I don't know. Well, let's do the Apple. Here we go. Here's see what Apple says. Narrowinsick. Narrowinsick. Mm. There was a lady in the 60 to 64 category in Keynes in 2004 who arrived at T2 and her bag had been taken and she ran the marathon barefooted to get a ticket to the Big Island and smiled the entire run. That Ooh. is impressive. Certainly is. Man, can you imagine running bare feet? For a marathon after doing the bike run. Jeez, you'd one. be pretty happy if there was any grass verge on the oh, side of the footpath, wouldn't you? Oh, that would just gee. feel like... Oh. Because I get barefoot running, but if you're not planned to do it, mm. and your feet aren't hardened, and you haven't got your five fingers, you know what I mean? Like it's... Mm. Oh, it's a good effort. James Tham. Hector Picard inspires me greatly. He has a double amputee. He had to have a bike specially adapted so he can ride. And we interviewed Hector in... Kona last time we were there, and he was impressive. Well, speaking about that, uh, did you want to do the next person James as well? James Tham. He also says, uh, uh, Taria Pitt, who we was in Kona last year, I think it was, and she's the Burns victim who oh, got yeah. caught in a, in a wildfire in Australia. Massive burns all over her body, and it, it was actually, I didn't actually realise at the time, it was within a ultra distance running race that she actually got caught out and then the fire caught her oh, really? massive massive oh, no, I think events. I remember that yeah and uh, and she got on and finished Kona last year well Hope Achilles which I think must be some kind of group because they are supporting John Young who we're mm. going to get on the show hopefully in the next few weeks uh, our favourite triathlon story is that of our Go Achilles athlete John Young who became the first Ironman with dwarfism at last year's Falls Ironman Maryland and continues to lead the mountain incl- mounting inclusions of awareness movement in mainstream running Go John Go Achilles and I pulled up his Boston Marathon time he's just completed that a few hours ago he did 6.08 Nice. 6.08. I think he was hoping for a six a sub six. But yeah. Pretty consistent race. Stephen Spriggs. It's got to be either Team Hoyt or more recently Bailey Matthews. Don't know anything about Bailey Matthews. Hmm. Uh, David Hale. He's got Rick and Dick Hoyt. Puts life in his perspective every time. There also Scott Markham has, I used the Team Hoyt story at the beginning of each year to show my children in my class about resilience perseverance and not being afraid of failing. I teach six and seven year olds and it's something that we use to link back throughout the year. Nice work, that's kind of cool, isn't it? Great idea. Bailey Matthews was a young kid uh, who, it was a big YouTube. um, (coughs) Oh, who was, they did the local sprint triathlon. Yes, and ran down the finishing chute and he kind of had those things uh, supporting him to to get down the finishing chute. And he fell over and got up and. Yeah, got cerebral palsy. Yeah, that was pretty, pretty awesome, wasn't it? John, what about you? Uh, So for me, more just the recent ones that come to mind is Hector Picard because we interviewed him in Kona and just so impressed with him. So he, it was uh, he had amputee from the elbow down on one arm and completely on the other arm, wasn't it? I think yeah. it was. And um, the things he's done was amazing. And the the YouTube clip of him, if you've never seen it, changing a bike tube is very very impressive. So for me, him also other people that um, sh- the shining for Shan, who was she was the oh, lady yeah. who had the debilitating disease and. Craig, Craig, I can't remember your surname, just off the top of my head, Craig, he pushed her uh, through Ironman Australia and then they 
did also go over to Kona. Can't remember what happened there. Then on the the non um, sort of inspirational stories side of things, for me, the, still, the, the thing that still blows me away the most from being to Kona over the last years is still Rennie. And I think I said this last week, running past us and the speed that she runs is possibly something that... The, the other stories I find fascinating and inspirational, but not in terms of inspiring me to go out there and do it, just imp- fully impressed with their um, you know, efforts to go out there and, and make it happen. But in terms of athletically, Rennie's running just still blows me away. So there's two, I'm going to say athletic, mm. and then I'll say one which actually isn't a triathlon, but it's still pretty amazing. Um, for me, yeah, Rennie, I've talked about this often, but that, that time she ran that race and ran down um, Reef. Reef. Jeep, I, I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. It was unbelievable. It was just, it was just sport at its best, wasn't it? You know, mm. just when it's, you were racing, so you didn't get to see it, but it was just guts, you know. Mm. And and another one of those actually outside of triathlon was that sailing that I saw at the Olympics. It still blows my mind. Right, right? That, that was one of the best Olympic event I saw. This guy, he, he basically was started the last race. He had to win it to get the last race. Started the last race, made his stuff up, got to the back of the field, yeah. had to sail through the whole field, which is near on impossible, and win the race to win the gold medal. Yeah. And he did it. And it was it was just awesome sport. He's an Australian guy, I don't remember his name. But also I remember running and wrote. And just, you know, like I was trying to be a pro and um and even as a pro I never raced with risk. You know what I mean? Like even as a pro, you know my one pro race. Yeah. But you know, even as a, as a high level age grouper and Ironman, I always raced with the idea of saving yourself to the end. Mm-hmm. And I just remember and wrote. I think it was the first year I did it. It was you. You didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, watching Macker in the run, and just you know he was probably still 15k out from the finish, mm-hmm. and the hurt he was in mm-hmm. was just you know the ability to. To push, you know, and, and here I am trying to get us up nine, and, and it's pretty decent. Yeah. And just watching this guy who was just hurting, still with probably another hour of running in front of him. Did he win or not? Oh, yeah, he smashed yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. But just, but just that level those guys have, mm. you know, just watching this guy, just the grimace on his face because he was absolutely killing himself. It was a real highlight for me. But then outside of sport, well, I, I, I go, I do a bit of public speaking, and a while ago I went up to Wellington to do a talk, and there was three speakers myself. Four speakers, actually. Some all black. Um, <laughs> I'm all black. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know who he was. So I think he played for the All Blacks, but I didn't, I'm yeah. not a big rugby. I, I follow the All Blacks. I'm not a huge follower. Um, some girl who was well-known in weight loss. And then there's this guy, and it was unbelievable, John. He had this disease where any friction created scarring. Mm. So basically what would happen is if any friction, he would just scab. Mm. So his hands, he basically closed off. So, because it, throughout his life, every time he kind of bumped something, his hands were basically scabbed over. So his hands, so he basically had like a, a fist. fist. Yeah. And, and you couldn't actually see the fingers. Now, they were functional, mm. but the skin had grown over it. So he, And he mm. had this little thumb. And, jeez, uh, mate, listen to his story. And, like, exercise for him, because exercise ultimately came at this massive risk of creating friction, mm. which meant more scarring, more so on. And it was really cool. His talk was amazing. But we went out for dinner afterwards and just hearing about the burden of that life. And his attitude was pretty phenomenal. But, mm. mate, it was phenomenal. So that was pretty pretty inspirational to me. 
Very this good. week's discussion, John. So this week's discussion, obviously, it's been a bit influenced by this a sub to our Nike challenge that we've got happening right now. But to me, I, I almost think eight hours isn't enough. So what yep. we said here is, if you were to try to pick a team of, we'd say how many athletes? Five? Five, yeah. Okay, five Ironmen who were trying to crack eight hours. I reckon we we'll should go, go 7.50. Go, we'll go, go as fast as possible. Yeah, but you're still going to have a time. I say 7.50 at Kona. Okay. Because... Even though it's only two two and a half minutes faster than the marathon, eight hours is very attainable for Frodo. Yeah, it's it's really if, if that could happen now, isn't it? Mm. So if you're going to say I'm going to get five and they have to be Ironman, or just you could put a team of any athletes. They're going to be Ironman athletes. Okay. Yeah. Or triathletes. Yeah, or triathletes. Yeah. Okay. And it is is not to do a drafting race. But, you know, legal draft distance. So you'd say, let's get Potts on the swim because we yep. can get him to pull everyone up and, we, you know, he can do all the work in the swim. Probably lose him in the bike and the run. Yep. But, yeah. Whereas Keenlay is probably not going to be that useful to Frodo because they're going to be up the road and he's yeah. going to have to smash himself to get up there. So you're probably looking more for swim bikers and then someone who can swim bike and maybe sit in and then help pace make through part of the run. So who would you put in a team, a girls and a guys team? Five? Five five's enough or you want ten? No, no, five. Five's plenty. Oh, we're limiting it. We're limiting five's plenty. So on the guys' side of things, fives. On the girls, it's harder because Danielle Rayford just swim bikes, bikes away from everybody. Um, but have a Yeah, think. but if you had someone who could, like a Kessler, she's a pretty mean biker, isn't mm-hmm, she? Mm-hmm. You know, and she can swim too, can't she? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so if you have someone like her who sacrifices her race, mm-hmm. so Reef doesn't have to do any work at the front. Like if Reef, even though it's non-drafting, can sit at the back of five, for, even for 90k or whatever it might be yeah what does that mean knowing the others are just going to ask themselves getting off saying reef where you go and run yeah now Rennie wouldn't be able to stay off and that's the only fun, unfortunate thing no so she wouldn't be so who would be your five mm. that's a good question that's probably the best discussion we've had in a while great let's see how many responses we get I reckon we get a thousand okay Jombo let's talk about a sponsor Athlinks.com social networking for endurance athletes so we've got challenge rote coming up oh. in July yes. and I was out riding yesterday because I'm not really going over there with any sort of placings in sure mind. You won't. Sure you won't. <laughs> I'm not because sure. I know I'm going to get smoked. That's, that's why you looked at the placings on Athlinks, eh? Hey? Uh, but I was intrigued. I thought, I wonder what, where I'll get if I have a really good day. And the thing that I'm going, my frame of mind going into this race is I'm pitching for an 8:45, only because. What did you do last time? 8:44. No, nine nine fifty. Two nine fifty one. Nine fifty one. I think it was eight fifty one. Yeah, eight fifty one. Um. But if I, I know that if I pitch for just under sub nine, then I, you, you, it's a bit of a struggle to make. You got to you got to set the bar nice and high. So I'm pitching for an eight forty five, knowing that I'll still be really happy with anything under nine. I'll be elated with anything under nine. And so I thought I'll have a look at. Yeah, of course I could go to the um, the Challenge Rate website and, and find the results through there. But it's it's in English, but it's just a bit of a you know trying to find everything on different websites and get all the different other years is a bit of a hassle. Go on to athlinks.com, put in challenge right, boom, all the results are in one place. Really easy to filter by age group. And it tells me, and the other thing you can do here is I can then go on some of these athletes and find out where they've raced elsewhere. So I plugged in the men's 40 to 44 at Rote last year, and by jingers, it was a pretty fast race for the for Frodo and for the male 40 44. So the winner went 8 44 20, and a sub nine's only going to get you ninth place. Oh, so, but you can win it. Oh, that'd be a long shot. Wait, you said 844? 844. You're going for 845? That's 
that's, <laughs> that's yeah. really putting it, putting it out there. Um, but then I could have a, had a look, look here at a couple of guys. So Bob Brace, I'm not sure if Bob's a patron, but his name's come up before, I know, um, from New South Wales. He went 847, but I can then click on his name, find out what he's done elsewhere, and he really stepped up last year. Bob, if you're listening, that was a great performance because elsewhere he has... Uh, just clicking through now, he's done, he's from Penrith, Australia, he's only got a 128 half marathon, he's got an 847 for the full, which he did there, 415 and a half, what else has he done, he did, he did, he did, he did, I saw Ironman Australia, only doing 921 there, so you know, you got nearly a, about a f- 35 minute difference. Your route's faster than uh, He went Ironman World Champs in 2012, only went 9.49. So that's what you can do. You can go in and go, well, holy smokes, maybe I haven't got much of a chance here. But then when you go in and, and look at some of these other athletes, Paul Lunn from uh, Cambridge in the UK, he went 8.50. And there's also Martin Muldoon who went ran a 2.58 there last year. So we're going to have a look at Paul Lunn. I can go in there and again look through his his profile and figure out okay am I still way off the mark or was it just a, a particularly fast uh, year in rote last year which it was because Frodo absolutely smoked it but Paul Lunn he's gone a 115 for a half marathon he did Ironman Barcelona in 8.57 so you know a few minutes slower there so yeah makes me feel a little bit better that last year's times were particularly quick especially when I look at other years they weren't quite as quick gotta say though this year, the course is going to be at least five minutes slower. Oh, you do with, think? With the, with the changes to the run. It's pretty, course. isn't it? Because now it's not going to be the fast race anymore. It'll still be fast, but, yeah, but it's it won't not be going to be quite as fast. Which means for already times. Well, that's going to be a tricky one to beat, I think. It was 736, wasn't it? It was something like that. It was, it was 735, I think. So I think that, uh, that record might stand for some time, I think. And the reason, again, while I say. I think the run course is going to be harder is they've taken away a lot of the running on the shingle alongside the canal, which was a long straight section where A, you could just get into your rhythm, but B, also there is reduced impact in terms of uh, saving you for the latter half of the run. And my other concern is now, not concern, but the, the run will probably be accurate now because it, pretty much all these fastest races in the world, the courses are short. You know, Austria's short. Um, I know Arizona, where the North American Championship record time was uh, achieved last year, the course was short. Uh, and where else? Wrote, I think it has traditionally been a little bit short on the bike and the run. Uh, I think that Florida is tradition. Whilst Florida is insanely fast, I think traditionally is pretty accurate from what I've seen. Okay. So the athletics.com, if you've got a race, you want to check out people in your age group and find out what they've done elsewhere check it out athlinks.com okay john three two one stats tastic it's fantastic lynn brooks is a special person in the ironman world john why is that well she was a special person because she became the first person to finish 20 consecutive ironman triathlon races in 1999 this might be quite an old stat no, no wait a second is it 20 consecutive races or 20 ironman hawaii's 20 ironman hawaii's so that's pretty impressive. So other people may have achieved that feat since then. She got third. Some of the stats are a bit old. But uh, that same year, Scott Tinley completes his 20th and final Ironman race. Again, I got these stats from a quite an old article, so they might be a little bit out of date now, but it's still 
you know, Lynn Brooks was the first person to do 20 in a row. And, and her she, first one, she got third. I know, and she got about thir- a thir- another third and a fifth or something like that. And one year, she said her biggest achievement, though, was one year she went in there and struggling with an injury and took some anti-inflammatories, was dry reaching on the, the bike course, had to walk up the hills backwards on the run and did 16 hours and something. And she <laughs> Walk up the hill backwards. Yeah, she's never been through as much pain and everything else, just that's her, her highlight was, was doing that race. And then she said, you know, when she had done 20, she was done and dusted and she's moved on to different things. So Lynn Brooks, that is our stat for this week. First it's person to do 20 consecutive Ironman World Championships. It does blow my mind away. Oh, well, how many have done that? There'd only be a handful, wouldn't you? These days, I mean, Ken Glar, how many would he have done consecutively now? Yeah. Again, I think these stats might have been from about 20, 2003 or something, so it's quite a while now. Ken Glar has got to be uh, right up there, I'd say. Yeah. I reckon he might be pushing 30. Yeah. But again, still a handful. Mm. It, just, just imagine the life commitment for that. Mm. To do it 20 times. Yeah. You know, like but that was back in the day when you didn't probably didn't need to qualify for some of them. Some of them you would, but certainly maybe the first early ones you wouldn't have had to qualify. So it's one Ironman a year. But when you got to do two every year for a long period of time, it is a big commitment. Yeah, for it, yeah, it's for twenty years of your life. Mm. I, you know, imagine when I'm sixty. If I started today, when I'm sixty, I'm still doing that. Exactly. Cray cray, John. Cray cray. Cray, that's what they get to say. Cray cray. Do you want some music? Hit me with some music. Here we go. Session of the week. week. God, all our intros just sound the same. Uh, John, we've got one note and we play it well. Yeah. So I thought what would be, a lot of people really enjoyed the build up to Kona 2014 and so I thought what I might do between here and Challenge Rote as Bevan plays footsie with me under the table uh, is to just highlight one session per week that I've done that hopefully you guys might be able to learn a little bit and you might choose to integrate into your own training. So I'll sort of explain why I did it, how it went, sometimes it'll be good, sometimes it'll be bad Um, but last week... The Holy Hammer and I hit the road on, no, it was on Saturday, hit the road at 5.30 to go out and do our traditional long ride of the Gorges, which is about 155 k's for me, so just under 100 miles. And what I was going to do with the session is insert three times one hour at Ironman Power. So like I talked about last week, you know, I had some key objectives with this ride. First and main one for me is... 12 weeks, I think it's 12, 13 weeks out from road. I really wanted to test my ability to, uh, in terms of how my aerobic efficiency was when I was starting to get tired. So I was really looking in the final section of this ride, riding one hour at Ironman effort, wanted to see mainly how my heart rate responded to that and if, if my heart rate was going way out of control and you know it's going to give me a pretty clear message that I still had plenty of work to do and the ideal was it was going to stay uh, nice and flat and even showing that I've got reasonable fitness and just need to keep uh, fine-tuning things between here and July and the other key thing for me was that I'm really got to try to work on between here and road is working on my cadence um, the reason for that is in New Zealand on the bike rate, yeah on the bike we've got really rough roads we've talked about this loads of times before and Christchurch especially now after the earthquakes they're a lot more bumpy in places and a lot of times they fix the roads and they do a really shit job of it um, so it's often quite hard to keep your cadence up 
as opposed to when we go over to Hawaii or Rote and you've got these super smooth roads, it's much, much easier to keep your cadence up. So I know that when we go over to Rote, um, just naturally the cadence will be a little bit higher riding that course and I need to make sure that I'm used to that. So that was another key objective for me was to make sure when I get tired on the bike, trying to keep my cadence up because that's simulating what I'll be doing, doing in Rote. So then I basically, so I've got these objectives in my head then I sort of plan out the, the key session um, on paper. So I knew that I was going to do my first two by one hours um, fairly early in the ride. And then How say, long was the whole ride? Uh, so it, it's normally about five hours. Was it gorgeous? Yeah. Okay. We did it in four, 4.45, um, but normally if you're just riding it, it's about five hours. So the idea was to do the first two one-hour sessions um, relatively early in the ride and then the last one-hour session um, fairly late in the ride. Um the other key part of my plan was there was no way I was going to bonk on this ride. Um, and so that, you know, you've got to understand the difference between bonking and blowing up. Bonking is when you don't have enough nutrition on board yep. and your head just goes, starts spinning and you just, you just cocked it up because you haven't taken in enough nutrition. Blowing up, if you just run out of steam and your legs just explode, then that, that's, you know, so but that's it. under conditioning or, or training too hard, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So this, I did not want to have a bonk on this this ride. This got somewhat thwarted when <laughs> I Murray Lapworth was with you. <laughs> no, it was it was we starting. It's pitched pitched like first hour and a half or so is in in, in darkness. Oh, you couldn't see your screen. No, uh, I was finished my first interval and went to grab uh, one of my drink bottles out of the back and realised that one whole bottle of Infinite, which is a key part of my race nutrition, had popped out. So <sighs> luckily I had plenty of M's bars on, uh, on hand. But uh, Now I were you lost. working to a formula with your nutrition or were you just eating? Uh, not to an exact formula. I was just making sure I was having more than, more than required. Yep. So, um, so yeah, wanted to make sure I didn't bonk. Um, my aim for my power currently, I'm sort of looking for about 235 watts, and that's around 75 to 76% of my FTP. And what I'm sort of hoping is that's going to bring a heart rate of around about 130, a little bit over, and I'll let it drift up to 135, 135 sort of my cutoff. So the outcome of the ride, first interval, uh, average power was 232, average heart rate was 131, which is about right. Rate of perceived exertion, it was a little bit harder than I'd hoped because I think it was a short, fairly short warm-up and it was a little bit cold and a little bit dark. My cadence was only 88, um, but we did have a few little ins and outs, little now, places you to go you with through. others? No, no, the Holy Hammer has, a, has an understanding with me that when we're doing these things, he, I think he was like 100 metres behind me or so, so okay. I think he was just out of the draft zone. Yeah. But the problem with that is he didn't see me drop my bottle and the, the second uh, problem with that fault. is fault. <laughs> later in the ride, he was in front of me and he dropped his, his light came off his bike and so I was so far behind him I didn't see him lose his light. So we both uh, lost guys are really aren't good at helping each other out, are no. you? So rep number one, went okay. Power was about right. Heart rate was about right. Just felt a little bit harder than I should have. Rep number two is a little more challenging because we're going, it's, it's, a, it's a gradual grind uphill and uh, it really starts to beat down on you. So we started in Lowburn, I don't know if you remember, yep. and, and just it's just a grind uphill, and then you have hills. Uh, and it's hard to keep the power consistent? You can keep the power consistent, but it's quite hard to keep your cadence up okay. because you're just gently grinding up. So again, power is pretty much bang on the money, 236 watts. Um, so again, aiming for 235. Heart rate was a bit lower. That was mainly because my cadence was a bit lower as well at uh, 85, so heart rate was only 126, so again, well under my 130. And uh, yeah, that one was just generally a grind, but good to get through it, and power was pretty reasonable. How do you find 
Because I was, I was always a bit more of a slow cadence in my writing. I was a bit more of a mm. kind of strong writer. Um, how do you find? I always found trying to pick up my cadence just horrible. Oh, it's just, a, it's just a skill. You just got to keep working on it, and the more you work on it. So I do. Pl- but how do you find it? How do I find it? Uh, on smooth roads, good. On ha- ha- big chip roads, fine. It's a struggle. Yeah. But I just keep trying to get a little bit better at it, and then I do integrate into my training quite a bit of over cadence work where I'm maybe doing 100, 110, yep. 120 sometimes. And, and the more 20 you put, on, the, on the road bike. Yeah, but that's usually on the trainer. Okay. Um, but yeah, all in the effort to try to become more efficient around that sort of 90. So around the 90 works pretty well for me. Third and final rep, um, bang on the money, 236 watts. Heart rate was perfect, 127, so under 130. And uh, this last effort is was a gentle downhill. Road is a little bit smoother. And it's a really good simulation to road and I managed to achieve 91 RPM. So and when did you do this in the ride? Uh, down Old West Coast Road. So, so the last bit of the road. Last, really. last bit of the road, ride. So all this, is, this is four hours into it. Mm. Okay. Bought th- three, three, three and a half-ish. Yep. yep. So all up, basically achieved all my objectives, nailed it, other than dropping the drink bottle of Infinite. My nutrition, you asked about that before. What I did take in was one bottle of Infinite, um, which is a full two, two scoops of Infinite. I took two Ems bars um, and two bottles of water. And I also take in a caffeine tablet before I do the last interval. And that get, that really helps in terms of just clearing the mind a little bit. About halfway through the rep, you're really feeling a lot more alert. So I'd, I'd really encourage people to, to play around with caffeine, either in the tablet format or caffeinated gels when you're racing. It just helps a lot. Do you, um, when you are racing, do you, do you actually work to a formula of your carbohydrate? Yep, yep. So I'll be basically... I mean, I would have had two bottles of Infinite there and I would have had less bars and a little bit of gel and a little bit of uh, Generation You Can. So yeah, definitely in terms of the Infinite, I've got a formula that I work through. I'm trying to get through, I think it's five servings of Infinite and uh, and then sort of topping it up with other things on there. So certainly Infinite is a formula. The other stuff is just sort of topping topping it up. And uh, this, so you, this is the watch you want to sit on for the race? Well, I'm almost. I'm starting to think. I'm not. I'm not getting ahead of myself. There we go. Eight forty now. Yeah, <laughs> eight forty. No, I was very surprised how well that went. But that's three one-hour blocks. This week I've got to do. Um, I've got to do a simulation where I'll be riding three hours at that power output. What will be the um, most challenging yeah. you'll do? Uh, I'll probably do four hours at about two hundred and forty to two hundred forty-five watts. Okay. So just a little bit overpaced, and sort of see how I react to that. Because these one, this session's a nice session because it's kind of you get that mental refresh. To, you know, it's come in, attack, come in, attack. Mm. You know, and you get a bit of downtime, you get to refresh. Mm. Whereas that long sustained effort, and that's what a huge number of people don't do. Yeah, you know, and and the key thing to remember, and I think it's probably a really important thing to take away from this. If you look at John's heart rate, he's not working hard. You know, 127 is not, you know, what zone's at is probably just your... Oh, it's just a steady zone, so I'll allow my half Ironman, I think when I did Wanaka, it was up around 140, low 140s, up yeah. to 145, so I'll allow it to go up to 135. My heart rate is a lot lower than other people's. Yeah, but but still, you know, so many people in their Ironman efforts do half Ironman or even mm. faster, and it's like, well, you know, these toys are so great, and you've got to make sure you're disciplined to the program, and uh, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how you progress over the next few weeks, but so this gave you confidence. Yeah, plenty of confidence. Yep, we drilled it. The Holy Hammer drilled it as well. How's the running going? Running's going good. Is Holy Hammer coming to France? I mean, coming to Germany? Yep, Holy Hammer's coming to Germany. Good times! Yeah, so good times. So we'll have a link to to my ride and training peaks um, on the show notes. And 
my my training log has fallen off the wagon. I've got, I'm going to get it updated, but uh, it's been a few weeks since I've updated that. But on Coach John, on Strava it does, but I've I've got. I'm on my, my coaching site, I've got all my files, but I'm about three weeks behind. Okay, let's just continue this on. Coaches Corner. Corner. So you've been reading an article basically recently, and it's saying external calling technique, and it's looking at does calling help performance? This was awesome. Yeah, um, it was interesting, so I got it? this sent through. So they had a, it was a, a small study, and you've got to remember when you look at studies, you look at one study and you go, you observe it and go, that's interesting, but then you need to find other similar sort of studies to back it up. And, and so you've got a whole group of group of um, research rather than just looking at one in isolation because there's often little things they may or may not have done correctly. But this was bloody interesting. So they got a bunch of athletes to do a 5K time trial on a treadmill. And it was done in 33 degrees centigrade, so pretty toasty. And they had three different conditions. The first one was athlete, runners were pre-cooled by immersion in cold water to lower core temperature. The next one, um, they went, they basically sprayed the runners with... Um, fa- uh, facial water so it just had a spray bottle spraying mist onto them to cool them off slightly when they're running and the third time trial was no cooling mes- methods were used as might be expected the runners 5k times were significantly faster by around 42 seconds with pre-exercise cold water immersion than with no cooling and their core temperatures remained lower the runners also felt subjectively more comfortable than in the controlled run what was surprising, however, was the facial water spray trial resulted in similar savings, 36 seconds. Um, it also led to similar reductions in per- uh, perception of effort and thermal sensation. These performances uh, and subjective gains occurred despite the fact that, unlike the cold water immersion trial, there was no reduction in the runner's core temperatures. The fact that both the cold water pre-cooling and the water spray produce the same performance gains and reduction in effort perception suggests that the performance benefits did not come about as a result of physiological changes, i.e. lower core temperature. The most likely explanation is that the brain and central nervous system play a much larger role in regulating performance in hot conditions. Mm, This fits in with the central governor theory of fatigue, which states that the perceived fatigue during exercise occurs partly due to chemical changes in the muscles, but also due to input from the brain. Regardless of the reasons, the key point here is the use of water spray is likely to be a lot more practical method of cooling than immersion and should be considered another weapon to your cooling armory. Yeah, but, but how do you do that? Carry a water well, <sighs> in, in a race, you cool yourself at every single aid station and you cool yourself as much as possible on the bike by putting water over your head. So constant constant application of water as you go through. So, of course, you can't carry a spray bottle around, but uh, you've got plenty of opportunities in races to try to keep yourself cool. Again, whether that has much effect on your core temperature, it's more, you know, if it affects your brain, you're onto yeah, a winner. Yeah, 42 seconds of 5K, that's massive. Huge. Huge. Um, so the lesson is keep yourself cool, but actually it's often just about tricking your mind. Exactly. Yeah, there you go. Um, website oh, of the week. week. Daniel Ward sent through us, and it's absolute gold, John. So basically it is called w, um, www.early two two o dot blogspot dot co dot nz and what this person's done and I don't know if it's actually it, no so two the two twenty magazine is is the British yeah triathlon, triathlon magazine yeah but I'm not sure if this website's done by them no I don't think so no it's just someone who's gone and put 
basically old pictures and articles, well not really articles, just photos from the early days of this magazine. And 2220 is the name of Triathlon magazine in the UK. Really, it's been it? around a long, long time. It focuses mainly on beginners, doesn't it? Um, no, I wouldn't say that. I think it was okay. just it was just your standard triathlon magazine. I think triathlete magazine is over there now, and they've got a bunch of others. But when I was in the UK, and that was in was it the early two thousands, that was the the main one that had been around for a long time. And, and based off this, it has been around a long time because they've got basically loads of pictures from the eighties and the nineties, and there's some classics. Oh, and then, you know, so if you've been in the sport for a long time. You're going to go, what, look at this. You've got to look at this website. Go to our website, www.imtalk.me. There's a link there to it. But um, it's just nostalgia, isn't it? Ken McLaren, who is, he's based up in Napier Hastings now. He's got a picture of him. <laughs> it's a terrible picture. Who's that? He's got a number one on there, and he's got a pair of Speedos and like a running singlet. Oh, and Ken McLaren. he's doing the Swindon, maybe the Swindon duathlon, or the, he looks like he's smoking it. It's got an old, old pictures of Simon Lessing. And uh, Sarah Cope, all sorts in there. Yeah, so if you want to kind of, yeah, it's, it's really good. They've basically got inside magazines. Oh, it's absolute gold, John. Look at that. What's with that helmet? Was that an aero helmet with Tim Stevens here in the Reebok Big Biathlon? Look at that helmet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like a German soldier. Yeah, but, or a stormtrooper, sort of. Oh, yeah, Ken McLaren needs to get his arms in, doesn't he? <laughs> God, who is Simon Lessing? Yeah, who's this young whippersnapper? So especially for all you palms who love a bit of uh, old school stuff, check it out. It's early220.blogspot.co.uk. Oh, this is Spencer Smith stands on the back of the bike. Oh, there we go. Okay, so check it out. It's, it's bloody brilliant. There we go. Someone's butt's showing off. How do you think you did in Wanger of the Week this week, Bevan? Oh, no, did I make it? Well, I have been adding my classes. That's fair enough. I think that's legit. Yep. I, think I didn't put them all in this week, but I, I, I might have my name in one of them, maybe. I think that um, when I, I, I told somebody off for putting in cross not cross snowboarding for seven hours, I thought that's a bit, taking it a bit far. But, but classes go in. classes are legit. Yep. You're working pretty bloody hard yep. in there. Yep. Snowboarding, yeah, I know you're getting a little bit of a workout there, but... Yeah, that my, but my really. name still hasn't been in there, John. You still haven't made it? No, not on any of the lists. Oh. One day, John. What, what, what I reckon has got my best chance of getting in here. So we've got overall time, overall duration. I'm not going to be doing that, that much exercise. 33rd, I might have a chance at. Yeah. It's least training now. Train a bit, so that shouldn't be a problem. Uh, most bike time, no, ain't going to happen. Swim time ain't going to happen. You go do some, some serious downhilling and see how you get on there, maybe. Uh, uh, high speed on the bike. was a high speed? 92Ks an hour. That's getting up there. That is smoking. Uh, longest single activity. I won't get that. Duration. Most activities. I reckon. No, I'm not getting out to 26. No, I don't think we're ever going to be in anything, John. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm trying well. I'm loving it. But I don't know if I'm going to get on these lists. 33rd. That's my chance. This week, we're looking at number two. So the long. Okay. So we've got Gareth Flynn of Australia. And he has. So this is the longest single activity. Mm. This can't be right, John. He must have done an ultra marathon. He ran 11 hours and 56 minutes. And Tony Hodge must have done the same right. She rode 11 hours and four minutes. Goodness. So Gareth Flynn, so can I go to his profile and actually see what he what he did? Let's have a look. And then Rob Rummett, you tell me what he did, John. He did eight hours, 27 and 10 seconds. Yep, so we can't, the longest activities, yep, Tony Tony Hodge there has got 11 hours and 4 minutes and 11 seconds. Was she racing somewhere, was she? Oh, poor old Gareth Flynn. 
half marathon PB, yeah. 130, 15 seconds. <laughs> he really wants to lose that 15 seconds. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, no, I can't see his individual runs, but obviously he must have done an ultra marathon. He must have done. That's a long time running. It is. Or he forgot to turn his watch off, but I'm, I'm thinking if you're up there. And then Luke Miller, Luke Miller from the United States. He got also for the men, he got third in the men for a ride. And then we had Pam Morris from New Zealand for sub, just under six hour ride. And then Jennifer Moore from New the United States. And she got a 4.54 ride as well. So these are our longest. These are our wingers of the week, John. Right, so Bevan, for you to make the top 100 last week on Strava. How do I find that out? Oh, you got to go into Strava. Pavel, Pavel came in at, at 100th last week okay. in 11 hours and 12 minutes. So where do I find that? Where do I go? Club leaderboard? Go Strava. No, you actually have to go into Strava. Uh, okay, Strava. So, yes, and that's Great podcasting as always. So our club leaderboard is, and that's where it's got all the different details there, is on traintrends.com slash Strava slash talk. You need to be... On Strava, you need to have public access to your workouts and you need to join our IM Talk team, which is easy to find on Strava. And then when I'm in there, I find what I look for, training, challenges, where do I find my team? So then you go up the up the top and you're under the search button. You press the little uh, magnifying glass next yep. to it with the Strava and then you can search by athletes or you can search by Are clubs. We're clubs? we're clubs. And then you can go in there. Oh, look at that. I had a good run this morning. There you go. Okay, let's have a look. Leaderboard, leaderboard. Oh, Kenny, where? You remember then you got to look at um, last week as opposed to this week. Oh, last week. Okay, yeah. Tony Hodge took it out. She did. She dominated the dojo. 34 hours, Tony. What are you doing, you nutbar? Yeah, well, she had that longest activity of 11 hours and four minutes. Yeah, that's definitely... Yep, yep. Uh, where am I in here, John? Where's well, you there? see, you only make the top 100 if... Oh, I'm not done, in the top 100. Well, if you haven't done 11 hours, you would have done more than 11 hours. I didn't put all my workouts in. Oh, that's I would have foolish. You're fool. Wow, I was busy. Get them all. You're not busy. You're unorganized. Oh, sorry. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Okay. Um, my goal is to get in the top 100 this week, John. I, I, I'll probably do more than 11 hours this week. Oh, no, but Monday off. I day off yesterday. <laughs> Fatal <laughs> mistake. I not get my day 11 hours. <laughs> I'll do 90 minutes today. Tomorrow, I'll do another 90 minutes. Thursday, I'll do two and a half hours. Yeah. So what's that up to? So I did 90 minutes today, three hours, two and a half. That's five and a half. Friday, I'm going to run just under two hours, seven and a half, eight and a half. No, probably. No, I'm going to get nine hours in this week. Oh, well, you got to uh. pick up your game. I came very close to getting the 33rd prize again. I was in the 30th. Uh, 15 hours and 28 minutes. Uh, Andrew Kirst. <laughs> Andrew Kirst doing the big yards right now. Go to Aaron Gardner. Look at this. Everyone's in there. Jake McCall. I'm loving this name names. Luke Miller. Barry Breffel. Sean Dooley. That's a good name. He just got behind you, John, 31st. Dig it, dig it Dooley. Dig it, Dooley. We've got Mac Baker, Richard Ray, Joe Skipper. Isn't it? Is he? I don't know if it's the Joe Skipper. Let's have a look. Is it the Joe Skipper? Where? What, what ranking is he, Bevan? It is the Joe Skipper. Yeah. Yeah, he got in, he's number 25. He took you out in 17 hours this week. We're so shut, he's a professional. Oh. <laughs> 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 well done, Joe Skipper. You're 17. You need to sharpen up, John. Thanks, John. But you see, the thing is, whilst he mainly does 17 hours of training, his total distance is probably far greater than all of us because he travels at such a Yeah, that's such, true. That's such true. more speed. That's, good. that's very true, John. 35 hours, Tony Hodge. You're a nutbar. She swam five hours, rode 21, ran seven. That's a triathlon week. Uh, good old Jim Plunkett Cole, old Forrest Gump. Mm -hmm. 31 hours of running. <laughs> 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 I can plug in that. <laughs>
<laughs> You're a nut bar. Okay, John. Uh, questions oh. and answers. I don't want to do sponsor first because I was going to oh, incorporate okay. a question okay. and answer into a sponsor. Sponsor. So we had a question from. Ah, oh, bugger. Where, where, who was it from? I apologise. I deleted the name. Oh, off when I moved come it. on, John. Did it come through to me? Uh, yeah, it must have done. Oh, have a look. So, quick coach's question. Last week. Last weekend of May, I'm doing a charity event based on Ultraman. Two friends and I are going to attempt to do the distance in and around Bristol in the UK. Go Bristol. I used to live in Bristol. We have called it the Bristol what, Brutal. What, what do you think of Bristol? Bristol's good. Five words to describe Bristol. Where you go. Five words. Only five. No more. Um, oh, bloody hell. Uh, crappy swimming pools? No, that's five no, words in one. You can't do that, John. You need five words only. You can't say blah, 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 blah. Five words. Um, what's the name of the grass area up the top there called? The down is it the downs? Oh, I don't know. I've never been here. The downs is two. Okay. Bridge. Bridge. River. <laughs> Come on, John. This is disgusting effort. <sighs> Cold. Uh, well, no, I like Bristol. You really sold it, John. It's, it's Peter Kusick. Peter Kusick. Peter nice Kusick. So they're basically going to do an Ultraman self self supported Ultraman yep. around Bristol called the Bristol Brutal. Having just watched some epic camp footage on the bike channel, I did notice that the Length of New Zealand... On the bike channel? Was a Length of New Zealand documentary, yeah. Going Long, Going Hard, was... <laughs> that's, on, that's why he tells Belinda every night. ...was uh, on the bike <laughs> channel. And what would your advice be for recovery after each day? Ice baths? No. Hot baths, massage, just food and sleep. I've never been on a tri-camp, so though we are training to go hard uh, on back-to-back -back days, this will be a new experience for us. So ice bath, that's a problem, isn't it? Because it does work. It f feels good. Doesn't yeah. actually work. It feels good. Yeah. So based off Epic Camps and doing somewhat similar to this, um, I think first thing you got to look at is nutritional intake. You don't want to be bonking on any of those days. So a bit like I was saying with my bike ride that I did uh, as my key session last week, you don't want to be bonking because that's going to affect you the other day. So having a really sound nutrition strategy is actually going to help your recovery. Smoothies are fantastic for as soon as you finish workouts. Usually go down really nicely and also have some great nutrients in there. The one thing you've got to avoid is pigging out. You, your stomach mm. takes a beating when you do these things. And if you pig out, then you can't eat anything for hours and hours and hours. So it's a bit just like just nice steady intake all the way through the day when you're training and when you're recovering. Compression works well. Um, very light massage works well. And then when it comes to your run... Whilst that'll be on the third day and you'll be doing a double marathon, you've also got to think about your recovery as you're going through that session and the run walk will hopefully help you get through that as well. But the reason I was incorporating this into sponsor is extreme endurance will help massively in terms of your recovery from this sort of stuff. So I'd be taking that in the lead into the um, your sort of Ultraman attempt during the race and that should help you bounce back nicely each day as well reducing your muscle soreness and, and enhancing your performance check it out xendurance.com and remember to use the promo code imtalk20 and for you guys that are based in the UK we should work on the .co.uk site and also on the .eu so check it out for your recovery xendurance.com Big time. Okay, John, questions and answers. We've got Anthony, William Anthony. He's got just listened to this week's podcast, and there is another qualification paths missing. There are other qualifications. So remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the ways to get to Kona, mm. and he's just got there are extra slots for the military. There's 22. Other, now, is it just American military? Or is it just military? Because if North Korea, sure. <laughs> North Korea put a guy in yeah. right now, does he get in? 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Other Chinese races are Hefe and Zayman, uh, 100, and uh, and I'm sure there are others for sponsors. In summary, out of the 2,200 plus Kona starters, there are 1,725 standard performance slots, leaving approximately 500 slots, 25% of the field available via alternative paths. And he actually sent through a spreadsheet as well. Uh, just a couple of other little emails. That was, I just think that, brush over that too quickly. He's gone to a lot of effort there. Okay, sorry. I just think that's, that sounds like a lot. 500 non qualification slots. We can't get 25 females. Sorry? Can't get 25 <laughs> Yeah, there's not enough space on the pier. It just, it just, I just think that seems like an awful lot when it's a, a qualification event. All in for having the legacy and all that sort of stuff. So what do you reckon the percentage should be? So you're 75% of the field, you've got to go through some way of racing. Mm. Now some, some are easier, some are a bit more specific to certain sectors like military. Yeah. Um, some are trying to promote races, but then never 500 come from alternative paths. Yeah. I would have thought something closer to 90%. Yeah, but I wonder if, he, if when he says alternative paths, he's saying the military is an alternative path. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So he, I wonder. So the real question is, what percentage of the field are people who are getting there without maybe any athletic performance? You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. I'm hearing you. You got the Ironman Foundation cone draw there. There's ten there. Who's their sponsor now? Who's their charity nowadays, John? Don't know. Because it's a bit of a died thing, isn't it? You know, remember challenge used to always challenge athletes used to always yeah. be a thing. So you got things like the executive challenge; they still have to get there. There's 25 slots there. Then you've got the bullshit ones at. Um, <laughs> I thought you were saying a Russian word for a second. There. No. So Boulder, Australia, um, Maastricht, Whistler, and Kona. We basically just put in your entry, and they've got you know there's 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 slots there that are just for. These come under the bullshit categories, do they? Well, they do. <laughs> I'm saying I, if you get one of those, good on you. But you shouldn't get one for just sending in a postcard um, or just entering a race. If it's an anniversary race, all for it. So I think that's probably 60 that could quite easily be culled there. Um, Hawaii locals, I reckon that's fair enough. And then you've got the Chinese races, the 70.3s, but they have no Ironman there, so I kind of understand that one a little bit. Yeah, so it's a lot. A lot. Okay. Well, thank Sorry, you, Bevan. Thank you, William Anthony, because that was good research. Uh, Evan Koya, Koya, who's just got, unfortunately, a little bit behind I am to talk podcast, but this is your fault, be sharper. Uh, but so learned about the, the card. Now, you, I haven't put, sent this one through to you, but you sent the postcard. Oh, yeah, I think I saw that. And he's made a postcard with Frodo winning Challenge Road. Yes. Is the picture to send through, which I thought was quite funny. So yeah. I just said I'd mention it on the show. So when you know, I was listening to last week's race, and he said, oh, the 15K race in... in uh, in Christchurch, he did that back in 2006. Yeah. He just wants to see how he compared to, to John Newsom back in those days. 2006, John, you did the race. You haven't got any faster, but you haven't got slower. Yeah, but as I mentioned, I did, didn't, between that one I didn't, but then I repeated it in 2007 or something like that, or 2008, went significantly faster. Oh. Uh, well, you know Swanee, it's a much harder race now. <laughs> <laughs> it is actually. It used to just be a drag strip race up and down. So what have they changed? Like, now it's two loops and it's got a few little hills and stuff, just little hills, but it's enough to affect your time. Oh, that's worth 10 minutes, I reckon. Because yeah. Swanee Noel, when he did it back in 2006, you raced him. Mm. Who do you think won? Him. By three minutes. Yeah. He got, wait, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth overall. Well done. Tyth Hubbard beat you. I was having an off day. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, but you hated that at the moment. No, you, Tice, you, Tice was good. It's fair enough. Yeah. He was better around him. But I bet you hated it. <laughs> I beat him the next time. See? So, yeah. <laughs> How is Tice? Is he still, is he still racing? No. Is he out of it now, is yeah. he? Yeah. He's in Queensland, isn't he? Yeah. He's in accounting or something, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Great Tice. stuff for the listeners. Oh, people, love Tice well. people love it. Okay, John Bo, uh, sponsors. Patrons. Patrons. Paul the Tiger Munro. Uh, James the Wise One. Botel. Richard, don't mess with the scary bear, Waddington. And then we've got Gareth, the mighty Flynn. Flynn. Great. Or just the mighty Flynn. John, main sponsors. Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. And extreme endurance. Your active buffer. Okay, John. Patrons, sign up on imtalk.me. Oh, that's my job, Help yeah. us get to Kona. Helps be in the draw to go to Kona. And just in general, help support the show for... Help co- us feed our a Coffee a month, basically. Or even go two coffees a month and you get yourself a fantastic I Am Talk swim cap. Three coffees a month, you get yourself an I Am Talk beanie. And if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, that's going to start coming in handy. I was out riding this morning and it was pretty fresh to start. And the beanie comes I've been out. using my beanie. Yeah. yeah. It looks cool as well. Exactly. That's the main thing. Okay, John. Uh, Jonbo, what I'm asking you is what is your gossip? Going up to Kaiteri next week no, for the, another pilgrimage. When are we going to do a show? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay, <that's good. laughs> we'll figure that out. Yep. Going to go walk the Able Tasman with the kids. Oh, you're going to do the whole thing, are you? Yeah, but I suppose we, we might we talk that about over, over a couple of days? I have got the master plan. Okay, here we go. Luckily, yep. did a little... So it's, it's basically a three-day walk, really. Oh, and it's it's funny, actually. I was, I was, I, uh, Friday, Joe jo likes to watch Stephen where she irons clothes. Joe irons my singlets, John. <laughs> I know it's a it's a re- yeah. it's a relic from her previous marriage, and uh, but while she had it on, though they, they had this one TV program. Pommy guys went around the the, the seven classic runs. Oh yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. And when I walked in the room, they were doing the Abel Tasman, and I just remember looking at the TV and go, "Oh my god, that's that's such a beautiful spot." And I thought, "I know that place." And then Abel Tasman, I think it's the most beautiful place in the world. Yeah. So it's about a, about about forty odd k ish long the whole thing and um so we're doing it with the kids so we've got my my two kids and me and then a mate and he's got three girls that are coming and first day we're going to walk 20 k's which is going to be a biggie that's a big day so especially kids marry how to so how do you break that down day. oh we just but walk halfway have lunch we've got to actually it's perfect because there's these tides on the on the the able tasman and so i've got the tides perfectly planned we just start at eight o'clock and by the time we get to anchorage where we have lunch got to wait for the tide can't cross go across until about two o'clock and then get across and do this sort of second uh seven or eight k through to bark bay stay the night there it's all we've got to do is carry lunch and dinner and breakfast and the next day we walk through to Aura. And the plan was you get there and we have this nice big cooked lunch and there's a, there's a cafe and a hotel and everything there. We're going to stay at Aurora because it's not cheap here. Uh, we're we're going to stay at the hut just up the road. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, great, we'll have lunch there and it'll be great and or we'll have dinner there. It's going to be great. Luckily, I happened to ring them up yesterday. I thought, maybe I'll make a booking or just check they've got some food that's going to be suitable for Thomas with all this food allergies. Oh, of course. And they said, um... We're actually closing for the season uh, tomorrow. Oh, no. Thank God I rang up. If we hadn't rung up oh, and we no. got there, closed, no food, yeah, that there would have been. been some issues. Yep. And so we'll stay the night there, but the girls are going to come up on the boat. They're going to bring us our food package there, come for a nice ferry trip, bring us some lunch and some dinner, and then they'll boat back, and then we've got the final little stint. Oh, wait, the, the, girl, the girls aren't walking? No. Well, the, my mate's got a, a, how old would Mila be? T- sort of, uh, not Mila, about two probably. Okay. What's that your mom, phone? What did my mum and dad 
need to know on a Tuesday at 10 o'clock in the morning. No, well, obviously something, John. And yes. Obviously just shrug them off. So that's what we're getting ready for, the big walk. Okay. Going good. up there on Saturday. Bevan, what's happening in your world? Oh, one other thing we were discussing last night. So we're staying in these huts and looking but at the New hut. Zealand huts are pretty good. I wouldn't know. I've never stayed at them. They sleep 34. I think both of them sleep 34 and it's two bunk rooms of 17. So there's a lot of people in one room. So I said to the kids, we're going to take earplugs because there'll be some snorers in there. Yep. Not going to put my own hand up there, but I'll probably be one of them. Yep. And, uh, and Felicity said, yeah, and that'll help stop us hearing any romancing as well. <laughs> and Blue and I just cracked up and thought, man, that would be a brave move doing some oh, ro- I bet rom- some people watch rom- on I romancing bet in a hut. A bit of sneaky in a hut, you know? Yeah. You know, how quiet can you be, Trick? I will be putting a stop to that if there's any romancing going on in our hut. Tell you what, we uh, Joe, Tyler and I once did a walk. I can't remember we were somewhere. We stayed in a hut and we were like, arrived at the hut. Like no one's there. We've got the whole hut to ourselves. Like, like you say, bunks and all the rest of it. We're like, sweet, we're going to have this whole thing to ourselves tonight. And like eight o'clock, 20 scout kids. Oh, up no. It was just chaos the whole night. But it was good fun. So I went for a run, John. So running, I'm running. Yeah. It's unfunny actually because I'm not trying to push any intensity. Mm-hmm. Just time on feet right now. I'm getting up to did 20Ks every day. So I'm kind of just slowly building. But it's funny how you just kind of you get bit like today I did 14Ks and I just... Yeah, did you do 14Ks this morning and bike riding? I did 14Ks and then I taught sprint. Yeah. Goodness, it's a busy morning. Well-organised morning. <laughs> Well-organised. I had to, I, there was no minutes to spare. I woke up at 4.40. I got up, had breakfast, and then I basically had to get to the gym. Mm-hmm. You know you know when you've got no minutes to spare? Mm-hmm. And then I started my run, and first 30 minutes was easy, and second 30, I think I averaged... I think I averaged three fifties coming home, singing half. Nice. So I felt good. Yeah. And and I wasn't I wasn't fighting for a few you know when you kind of just found your next fitness? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, so I'm feeling I'm feeling good with the running. But um so Saturday, no Friday, I had to do ninety minutes rolling. So I went up to the summit road, mm-hmm. put the car up at the top there, twenty mm-hmm. Ks out and back, so it was a nice run. Get back to the car, lost my key. Oh no. Yeah. So what had happened, John? I have this quite a nice new balance jacket I got when I was commentating at the Christian Marathon one time and it's got it's kind of just a, a windbreaker mm-hmm. and it's got a little zip there, you put your hand there, it's perfect. Didn't I obviously didn't zip it right up to the top. Mm. So I put I took the jacket off because it was quite warm and you could feel it hitting your legs, so my kids there, no worries. And then well I thought it was safe because I thought it zipped it up to the top. Get back to the car. Oh no. <laughs> Joe would have been thrilled with you. You know what? I've got the best partner in the world, mate. Because I ring Joe. I ring Joe and go, babe. I've lost the She goes, oh, that's okay. We'll, we'll sort it out. She was awesome. That's yeah. why I married her. That's why she's not much of my partner. She's my wife, John. Yeah. And uh, so she had to get a taxi to bring, and I'm freezing my ass off because by this time, yeah. you know what it's like when you stop running and, yeah. and it was a bit chilly by this time of night. So I'm sitting there, probably took about half an hour for Joe to kind of get the taxi to come pick her up and bring her up the hill. So we thought, well, let's go see if we can find the car key. Mm-hmm. Now, the chances of finding the car key are pretty low. Mm-hmm. Drove along, about 5K out the road. What do we see on the road, John? Okay. Been driven over about 10 times. Oh, really? <laughs> but, but it's pretty sturdy, so it was actually fine. Yeah, so, John, my theory in life is it always works out. And you know what happened, John? It always works out. Gotcha. So there you go. There's a lesson. Zip up, I hope zip. you got Joe something nice. Mm. You know what Joe did to me again this year, John? Mm. We said no Easter eggs. Do you know what she did? Easter eggs. Oh. And, and do you think I then, after the fact, went and got some Easter eggs? Yeah. No? <laughs> no, next year, John. I'm going to say no Easter eggs next year. I'm getting Easter eggs. Fantastic. Yeah. There you go. Did you get Easter eggs? 
No, but to- luckily Thomas does. He, he can only have full dark chocolate, hundred percent dark chocolate, because oh, nice. that's dairy free. Doesn't really like it, so he's not too bothered. So he gives them to me. Oh, sweet! <laughs> but with, with our kids get very few. Did you coach him? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, my mine was different with Tyler. My t- Tyler got so many, I had to eat them to keep her healthy. Mm, sure. You no, guys. I did because my mum, my mum, Easter egg hunt. I literally come home for a pack and so bag full of chocolate. Like no shit, that much. Hey, hey babe, stop getting Easter eggs. Bevan's getting fat. He's worried about he's gonna. Yeah. Yeah. I do actually. Yes. Yeah, so Let's wrap it up. We give, re- give him my give him my bunny. Yeah. We're, we're rambling here. No, but look at this. Okay. Happy Easter, John. Bring it out, babe. I think I look got at Happy Easter. Oh, there we go. Thank you. Look at that. It's a big it's bunny. A bunny. Yep. Wow, about twenty-five centimeters tall. Yep. Yep. That won't make it home. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, Easter has been good. Iron Rust. I'm a note. Train hard. Train smart. Kick hard.